Hello and welcome to the Superposition Guys podcast. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Nir Minerbi, co-founder and CEO of Classic. Nir and I discussed the challenges of developing large-scale circuits, training the next generation of quantum scientists, Classic's work with Rolls-Royce, Nir's view of the financial climate for quantum computing, and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Hello, Nir, and thank you for joining me today. Hey, Yuval. It's uh, fantastic to be here. It's great to have you. So who are you and what do you do? So my name is Nir Minerbi. Uh, I live in Israel, in uh, Tel Aviv, um, physicist by uh, training. Uh, and for the past three years, I'm a co-founder and a CEO at Classic, a quantum software company. And, you know, uh, we are pretty busy in making quantum software uh, scalable, reachable for everyone, and, uh, you know, uh, an industrial tool rather than scientific toy. Could you elaborate on that? What does scalable and reachable mean for Classic? Sure. So one of the fun things about quantum computing is, you know, on the one hand, there is a lot of momentum and many large players working on every aspect of the stack, software, hardware, but it's very early. And, you know, many of the things that we take for grant in, in, in the classical stack are, are, are not available in the quantum stack. So basically, when you want to develop software for quantum computers these days, you're limited. You're limited for developing, you know, software at the gate level. You really need to specify what quantum gates and building blocks to apply on each qubit. And that's pretty much impossible, both for, obviously, for non-quantum experts, but also for quantum experts, it would be very challenging to find someone that can really develop software for more than 20, 30, 40 qubits, while industrial quantum software eventually will be on hundreds, thousands, millions of qubits. So what Classic brings to this world is automation. Design automation methods and tools that were developed in the classical stack for 60 years, this is what we bring to the quantum stack. And by bringing these you know, methods of operating systems and compilers and high-level modeling, we allow quantum software to be much closer to classical software, more abstract, more scalable. It means that you know when you let automation do the hard work of gate-level design, so you can easily design circuits for many, many qubits. We do that all the time. And also, and this is really interesting, it allows you to be much, much more optimized then could be achieved uh, uh, otherwise uh, in a manual way. So this is, in a sense, what we do. But eventually, this is a software platform that allows users to develop quantum software and applications. This is what we do. Many people today that develop quantum software use Qiskit. So do you see Qiskit at a different layer? Do you see Qiskit going away if Classic continues to catch fire? Yeah, great question. So, so Qiskit is 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 a very uh, good platform for gate level design. It's Python. It's convenient, and if you know 
pretty well what quantum gates to apply on each qubit and you know how to design this circuit. So Qiskit is probably the best platform to do that. The problem is it's pretty much not scalable, right? It would be impossible to design complex circuits with Qiskit. And also, by the way, non-complex circuits in, in an optimized way, because when you do that in, in these levels of abstraction, you need to take care of many design uh, considerations like connectivity of the qubits and uncomputation of some blocks and so on and so on and so on. And we are not replacing Qiskit. We are just one layer on top of Qiskit. Actually, Qiskit is one of our outputs, obviously, when we integrate on top of IBM and on top of other quantum clouds. So I see it more as a, you know, the, the natural uh, maturing of the quantum stack rather than, rather than replacing Qiskit. Abstraction layers always sound good, but people sometimes worry that you lose efficiency because the, the more you try to make something very general, the less and less it becomes hardware specific. And so we see, for instance, hardware vendors today that try to be full stack vendors. They say, we wrote chemistry software that works particularly well on our hardware. Does that mean that classic could be used effectively today? Or are you more looking into the future and say, well, in two years when there'll be more qubits and more machines, this is where you really see the benefit of using the classic platform? Sure. So of course, the product, like I think everything in quantum computing is dedicated for the next generations of, of quantum computers that could actually bring value. So the product was designed for, for you know, creating complex circuits with many qubits with, you know, a, a deep functionality. On the other hand, and this is really the, the fun thing when we work with, with customers today, is pretty much in every use case, and I can give several examples, um, you know, the platform, the automation really brings um, much better results, more compact circuits, less qubits, um, comparing Qiskit and comparing any other software platform. And this is because when you start from the model level, you, you let automation much larger room for optimization. With Qiskit and, we, and with other software platforms, so you have compilation, right? Compilation is automatic. You will never, never compile circuits manually, right? But the compiler is very limited because you, you, know, you give it a quantum circuit, it's unaware of its functionality, so of course, if there are you know uh, two edge gates in a row, it will know what it should do with it. But if a qubit is an auxiliary qubit or not, if a block is used for this and that, you know functionalities, it's unaware. And you, when you create a model with the classic platform, so the synthesis engine is aware of what your functional desires and also what are the hardware constraints. So automatically it can really generate much, much better results. Who are the target customers for the target users for the classic platform? And when you work with commercial customers, how does this look like? Do they just get uh, access to the software and that's it? Or is there a significant services component? What does a project look like? Great question. So basically, our you know target users and customers is everyone that wants to develop now or in the future applications for quantum computers. 
Today, obviously, there are uh, several focus areas. One of them is working directly with enterprise customers, you know, with uh, the large banks, pharma companies, automotive, and so on and so on. And there you will find two groups. One is, you know, working with uh, quantum teams, quantum teams of quantum experts. The other group is teams that have no experience in quantum computing, computing whatsoever. There are machine learning teams, software teams, and they're using the platform to onboard into quantum computing in the most easy and abstract way. And I'll elaborate on that in a minute. Other sector is service providers. We work with many of them as the platform of choice. So when they educate enterprises on quantum computing projects, they will do that with our platform. And another sector, which is very important for us, is academia, both for education and for research. So these are very different sectors, but all have the very same goal to develop uh, sophisticated, complex, optimized circuits to run them on various backends. We are integrated on top of AWS Bracket, Azure Quantum, uh, IBM, and also directly with IonQ and other machines. So uh, this is an end-to-end software platform that fits the needs of you know uh, most users today. We'll get back to the academia in a little bit, but since you mentioned working with customers, I wanted to ask you, is there an example you can give me and maybe a customer that you're particularly proud of the work or the, I don't know if you can mention the name, but at least the type of work and the what the customer was able to achieve with the classic platform? Yeah, definitely. So uh, w- one of the customers uh, I, I, I really appreciate is, is, is Rolls-Royce. Rolls- the Rolls-Royce team is, uh, uh, is built of quantum experts, actually. Uh, and they are dealing with a very interesting problem Uh, which is CFD. CFD is a computational fluid dynamics simulation. Uh, It's really a problem that uh, pushes the the, the boundaries of of classical computing to the limit. You know, HPC is just a choke with uh, the size of the the magnitude of the problem. And obviously, quantum computers are, um, specifically with the HHL algorithm, uh, brings a lot of hope to solve this, you know, uh, uh, this problem in a, in a much more efficient uh, way. And what this team created with the platform is pretty much something that wasn't created so far. And this is a full, full-scale implementation of the HHL algorithm from a functional uh, model all the way to executable code. That was very, um, very impressive. And this is one type of, of, you know, of a customer that knows exactly what they want to achieve. They, they understand that creating real proficiency and assets in quantum computing is not something that you, you can you know, uh, do in, in, in two weeks of, of POC. It, it takes time. Uh, and another type of, you know, of, of customer actually... Uh, you know, it's more of a partner, uh, HPE, uh, also an investor. Uh, we are building together the, the quantum stack for HPC users. And part of the process is to onboard their team into, into our platform, into quantum computing. And, and there you see another type of users that are, you know, leading experts in their field, but not in quantum computing yet. So they use the platform 
in various use cases and algorithms in order to onboard into this field in the most easy and abstract way. So these are two different uh, examples, but I think both are showing the, the strengths of uh, abstraction, automation, and optimization in quantum software. I think that Classic recently launched an academic version, and I think the rationale is probably people go to universities and they learn about quantum and then they go into the workplace. So why not catch them when they're young and teach them how to use uh, the Classic platform? What does the academic edition look like? What does it mean for a student or a professor that is dealing with quantum? Sure. So first, you know, this is this is the same product, the same uh, the same platform, of course, that enterprise use. And what we uh, uh, decided to do, of course, uh, uh, and in this case, it's, it's in a deep partnership with uh, with Microsoft, is to launch a global academic program that is dedicated to bringing the most advanced quantum stack, you know, our platform on top of Azure Quantum and other backends, of course, uh, to researchers and educators. So uh, indeed, uh, the platform is already used uh, in uh, quite a few quantum computing courses, you know, teaching computer scientists, physicists, uh, you know, uh, and, and other sectors to, to develop software for quantum computers. And, and, and the other sector is, is, uh, is quite different, is, is using the platform for research and, you know, their it's fascinating. You see so many different research uh, uh, aspects uh, conveyed on the platform. You know, one researcher will want to develop um, a large-scale quantum circuits, for example, the, the full implementation of the Shor's algorithm, which sounds like familiar. We all know the Shor's the Shor's algorithm, but I will be very surprised if you, if you find someone that can actually develop executable code of, of, of this algorithm without automation. So this is one kind of researchers. And the other kind of researchers, for example, they will want to optimize a, a small quantum circuit for a specific uh, IonQ device in order to, to gain as much signal out of the noise. So these are really different uh, use cases, but uh, we support um, uh, both kind, which is, which is nice. And uh, of course, uh, you know, for us as a company, uh, becoming the industry standard is a part of that is becoming the academic standard. But it, it's more than that. I think it's it's a good uh, it's a good um, uh, goal, and this is a good mean of uh, advancing this quantum industry, right? I think Yuval, you you wrote several times about the shortage of of talent, and we all feel that, and eventually maybe not next year, maybe in a few years, but the world will need many, many more uh, quantum software engineers. One way to do that is, of course, uh, you know, uh, bringing more courses to the world. But the other way to do that is bringing to these people the optimal software stack for learning and uh, researching. I wanted to ask, for your read on the capital markets, we see that some quantum companies are laying off people. We see that the stock price of public companies has taken a dip. 
Um, some budgets seem to be moving from quantum to AI. Everything that has GPT in it is getting a lot of attention these days. How do you see it from your side, from the vendor side, the, the capital markets, the interest of companies to invest in quantum? So I, I think there are uh, two types of quantum investors and also, by the way, two types of, of uh, enterprise quantum uh, budgets. But let's focus on investors. One type, this is the type we, we are working with, uh, and um, this is the type that understands the real value of quantum computing understands that it's it's a long play it's creating a new industry a new era in computing and the opportunity is huge right you can really create the next microsoft the next google the next intel in a new computing field but it will take time so if you invest in a quantum company and after two months you ask what what's your arr you don't really understand the field because it's in research, it's not in production, right? So these type of investors are still super interested. We have seen some very impressive um, quantum investments uh, in the in the actually last couple of weeks of, of months. The other type of investors are investors who are uh, more, uh, you know, uh, affected by, by the hype. And of course, there is hype, right? And uh, I think uh, we suffer from the hype. It's not good for, for the industry. It's not good for anyone. But obviously, um, this source of, of money is now um, off, right? And obviously, the, the, you know, the, the companies that were lucky and unlucky enough to be public um, uh, are, are feeling it uh, more than anyone. But I think if you take a look at you know company like IonQ, so okay, obviously the, the 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 share price is is important, but what's really important is they have a lot of money and very good vision to develop uh, quantum computers, and this is something that no one could could take away from them. So I, I don't think that someone should invest in quantum to see ROI, uh, you know, this year or next year, but in order to create um, the next giants of computing, this is pretty much a good investment still. Classic is an important player, but it's just one player in the industry. And there are other, of course, hardware vendors, and you mentioned HPC providers and uh, other types of companies. What would you like to see the industry doing more of that perhaps it's not doing enough today, in your opinion? Yeah, I think I I think we should all do this shift, a mind shift at least, from uh, you know a very early stage exploration with very vague KPIs towards production, and it doesn't mean it really doesn't mean that we'll see any quantum production. Soon it will take time, maybe short time, may, maybe long time. But when you create quantum readiness within enterprise, so the goal shouldn't be to to do some nice PR to design uh, five uh, qubit circuits and to run them on some machine and be happy about it. The goal is to be ready, 
to be ready with the team, with the assets, with the IP, with the proficiency. And I think we see that more and more. And I think what I want to see, obviously, well, it's easy. I want to see hardware vendors uh, moving forward towards large scale machines with less noise and you know more uh, coherency. So that's that's easy. But I think this attitude that we see more and more uh, in the industry, this is what is is really needed. And um, yeah, this is pretty much it, I think. As we get closer to the end of our conversation, I wanted to get back to the HPC, the high performance computing part. Many algorithms are hybrid algorithms, variational algorithms or machine learning that have a quantum piece and a classical piece. Do you think there's a missing link, an orchestration layer or someone that pulls together both the classical part and the, and the quantum part? Or do you think that's already covered with existing companies and platforms? Definitely, there is, a, there is a missing link, and we see more and more a focus on it. By the way, it's not only hybrid execution. Execution itself, many companies uh, think or say they have uh, integration with quantum clouds. But when you're actually trying to build this deep integration, the ability to design a quantum circuit and to seamlessly execute it and get meaningful results, via quantum cloud or in direct integration, that's complex. When you try to, 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 to do that in a hybrid way, it gets even more complex. So I think we see more and more companies, you know, IBM and HPE and AWS and, and, and Dell and others leaning towards this, um, you know, this hybrid uh, approach. And HPC is part of that. We see more and more HPC centers acquiring quantum computers, uh, uh, developing hybrid algorithms, and of course, for us as uh, you know, uh, as a company that creates the standard in quantum software, so this is a great focus area, and this is the reason we are very privileged to be working with uh, with HPE. Uh, so I think there is a missing link, but uh, there is enough time and focus to to close it. And a hypothetical question. So if you could have dinner with one of the quantum greats, dead or alive, who would that people or uh, that person or those people be? Hmm. Well, I'm not very creative in general, but I won't be very creative here as well. I would choose Feynman. Um, I think what would interest me uh, to ask him, I'm sure th there is going to be a very nice dinner, but what I would like to hear from him is, you know, the, the, we all like to say, to, to quote him and say that the or orig original motivation for quantum computing was simulating uh, nature, right? And of course, um, we see progress there, but we also see more and more algorithms in very uh, different fields. I would really love to deep dive with him on, you know, what he sees as the optimal way to simulate nature with quantum computers. Uh, there are many good directions, but not a very um, good solution or answer. So that would be really uh, interesting. And uh, yeah. And last, Nir, um, 
what kind of people would you like to contact you? Uh, what kind of partners or uh, are you interested in hearing from after this podcast? I think anyone within the industry or outside the industry that is, you know, uh, uh, willing to take part in this exciting field, you know, um, so I, I, I hope to be reachable and please contact me over LinkedIn, email, anything like that. Uh, that would be my pleasure. Excellent. Nir, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much, Yuval.